0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at SKNR.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, travel, entertainment, technology, and much more. You can also catch us on Sci Fi Radio, where we'll be simulcasting this episode. We put our reviews up there, and we also can be heard on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KISW FM. Um, We do the simulcast on our page. We also have uh, Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L, central.com. Keyword skewed, which is a network of 21 newspapers in multiple markets that cover our game reviews. And we have skewed and reviewed the magazine, and we, of course, have syndication and stuff. So we have a little bit of a rapid-fire episode for you tonight. And a big chunk of this is due to the fact that we are coming back from our coverage of San Diego Comic-Con which we'll be uh, discussing soon. But as you can imagine, very busy show. We uh, personally was gone from uh, Wednesday and through Sunday of last week. It has been just literally one thing after another, uh, you know, to take care of since we've got back. We've had film screenings, just a really crazy schedule. So we're recording later in the week than we normally do. And so this will be a lot more rapid fire uh, than – Normal. I wanted to uh, talk about a couple of things before we get to uh, the discussion questions. And the first one is a new game from Atari called Mr. Run and Jump. It is available on multiple platforms. I have a PlayStation 5 game up. And uh, it is essentially like it sounds. It's a platforming game where you have to literally run, jump, duck, dodge, and survive. And people who like a uh, platform game, It is a fantastic mix of old and new combined together to make a really interesting um, and unique game that is still classic to the Atari traditions. Other news that we wanted to mention, we have a series of interviews from Mortal Kombat 1 uh, from San Diego Comic-Con that are available on the site. We have Ed Boon and Thiago Gomes. We have... uh, actress Kelly Hugh and Dominic Ciancolo uh, and uh, a lot of stuff there. We have gameplay from the brand new Transformer Earth Spark expedition that is coming. I got to play that. We have a little bit of news about uh, a new Borderlands animated series. Telltale Games showed off the Expanse. We had uh, Spider-Man 2 there. I got to have a look at Star Wars uh, Outlaws a little bit. Uh, really interesting thing that they had where you hopped on a speeder bike, and of course we did our panel on upcoming video games to be excited for. If you go to our YouTube channel, just look up Skewed and Reviewed, you'll find it. We have the sizzle reel there which is uh, from the games that we showed off. We've got a lot of other really great interviews from composers to directors. I've got J. Michael Straczynski of Babylon 5 talking about the new Babylon 5 animated film. We have a great interview with, um, the people behind the new Justice League film. So lots and lots of stuff that you can uh, get an eye on, as well as all the videos from the booths. got the Star Wars stuff. Uh, They had a lot of Ahsoka stuff at the Star Wars booth, and that was really, really impressive. So uh, before we get to the topics of discussion, I wanted to also mention that we have coming up uh, Star Trek. We've got the crossover episode. With Lower Decks coming up, we learned at Comic-Con there is a musical episode coming up. The trailer was released. It's online now. It looks fantastic. And as we're recording this, we're getting ready to watch Twisted Metal. Looking forward to seeing that. It's getting some good early buzz. Uh, Just finished the first six episodes of Futurama uh, on Hulu. The first episode just uh, appeared recently and absolutely love it. So a lot of stuff to look forward to. Uh, so, gentlemen, uh, a lot of stuff at San Diego Comic-Con. We've got all of this online. Uh, you know, they've they managed to pull off a fantastic show, even without the uh, celebrities being there to their usual volume promoting things. Uh, so all eyes are now turning toward the next set of uh, events coming up. And, of course, we have the big Creation Entertainment Star Trek convention that is coming up uh not this weekend, next weekend, and uh, we've been told that all of the scheduled cast are still planning to be there. Uh, The only trick for the Star Trek Las Vegas 57-year mission, which is August 3rd through 6th, is that we were told uh, while the actors can be there, they cannot do any interviews uh, because of the strike. So, you know, understandable, but just such a really, really impressive lineup and we will actually be going. We have our person who's normally there covering, and Genevieve and I are gonna go and uh, do some coverage as well. So we're looking forward to that. But right after that, uh, coming up soon, we have PAX West. Now, the uh, initial plan that we saw for the floor, um, I'll say it was very light on name uh, companies. There was a lot of independent companies. Sure, some of the names look familiar, but, again, no Sony, no Microsoft, no Nintendo, no Bethesda, Warner Brothers, Capcom, Ubisoft, down the line. Uh, Bethesda, Activision, you know, not that Activision normally goes to that, but not there. Did not see a lot of name companies for on the hardware side of things. It, again, uh, was essentially, I think Atari was like the biggest name that I saw on the list, and a lot of them were just... Uh, smaller indie companies, so, uh, you know, while that can change and more can be added, normally the big guys are some of the first to uh, announce, so uh, we'll start it off. Justin, what do you make of this?
1: Yeah, so with PAX, uh, one of the things that I mentioned before when this has kind of come up is that PAX kind of originated not as, like, a main... Uh, like competitor to something like e3 or gamescom but sort of developed that way um i think mostly because of opportunities that presented themselves for companies um pax at at instance of inception was really more more of a fan event uh, and i think it was just incidental that a lot of companies could could use it to announce products or show show off a lot of the projects that they were working on um and i think you know whether this is a, a sign of you know, Pax waning or or not, I I think it, honestly it, it has been waning for many years. But um, at the same time, uh, you know one one could argue that this was really kind of what Pax was supposed to be about anyway. Is more of like a a get together for fans to get about to get together about the things that they care about. Maybe you have some some panels with some of their creators of some of the things that they like. Um, I know there's a big focus of PAX nowadays for like tabletop gaming and indie gaming, um. But uh, you know, as far as like big companies showing up, uh, I I do wonder if the timing has a lot to do with it. Is because we're we're coming off of uh, Summer Games Fest and uh right before Gamescom, I think, which is next month. So, um, as particularly PAX West, I don't ever really remember it being a pretty big event for announcing things. I know that PAX East sometimes had some pretty big announcements just because of, it seemed like timing-wise it was, you know, usually when it was a little colder, a little, you know, in, in, it was kind of far away from the the big uh, like E3 or Gamescom type events, so it seemed like PAX East was sometimes a good opportunity to announce some things.
0: And Michael, your take, please. Yeah,
2: I agree. I think the time, I think we're, we're past the time now of having shows um, where they're going to be announcing things. Um, We just had Summer Games Fest, um, which had all the big announcements. I think PAX would be um, way too early, and to Justin's point, I don't think that was ever its intent. It was always more of just a fan show, um, and with with Gamescom coming up, and even if Gamescom may or may not have the big draw, I think a lot of these big companies now are just realizing they can do all of this virtually. Again, I, I would be surprised if E3 makes a comeback again. I wouldn't. Um, summer games Fest is probably going to be more of the standard going forward. Um, company shows, you know, trailers, um, they can do most of the stuff virtually. Um, it doesn't they have the same, um, cost that's associated with these big shows. And if they didn't have any three, I, I couldn't imagine them having a PAX. So, um, I don't think this is a surprise. Uh, I think PAX would probably go back to its roots, probably being a, a smaller show. Um, fan-based services. I think going forward, you know, Summer Games Fest is probably going to be the de facto E3, um, and, and Gamescom be the other only other one. So I think this is kind of the, what the future is going to look like. I think, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo doing their own direct-type shows uh, virtually. Uh, seems to have worked out fine for Sony and Nintendo. Um, I suspect Microsoft will do that. Or if, you know, again, the Activision stuff um, goes through. I could see them doing a, a combo, maybe a Microsoft, uh, QuakeCon, uh, Blizzard, best kind of show, and maybe conglomerating that into one event where they would they cover you know Bethesda, um, Blizzard, and uh, Activision um, all into one kind of show for Microsoft. So I think I think the days of these big shows um, with with all these big publishers all being together. This
0: okay, so the uh, interesting thing is, like I said, I've looked over the PAX um, West lineup, and the biggest names I'm seeing so far are Atari and Sega. Uh, a lot of independent companies, uh, you know, several I've never even heard of before. I mean, Devolver is going to be there, so, you know, that that's a good thing. Was looking at Gamescom, and they, you know, right now they're saying they're going to have 2K, 505 Games, Bandai Namco. They're going to have um, Sega. They are going to have Team 17, THQ, Ubisoft, Xbox, uh, stuff like that. So Gamescom appears to have a bigger lineup. There is a Nintendo event planned in conjunction with PAX, but uh, nothing, uh, you know, on the floor. So let's switch gears, and like I said, shorter than usual show. So let's swing over and discuss the other issue. And, uh, Michael, you can lead us off on this one, because this one is a rather interesting thing. We've talked about the writer's strike and all the problems that are uh, going on with that. We've talked about the actor's strike and how uh, they couldn't appear at um, San Diego Comic-Con doing promotion and stuff. Some of them appeared in other capacities, such as podcasts or comic signings, that sort of thing. Uh, Now we're hearing... um, We're hearing reports that the fall movie schedule might be really up a We're hearing stories that Wonka, Doom Part Two, and other films from Warner Brothers, uh, including possibly Blue Beetle, will not get released as planned because none of the actors will be available to do promotion. And now we're also hearing that Disney is apparently looking over things from the Marvels onward, their new animated show Wish, and so on, saying, you know, Maybe we don't want to be releasing these high-profile events if we're not going to have the casts out to do premieres, to do interviews, to do the general round of publicity. We're better off just sitting on these things until we can get them going. Uh, so, Michael, what do you think?
2: So, I, I'm not surprised by this at all. I mean, outside of simply the um, promotional piece, there's also the concerns of some of these shows may even have to go back and do reshoots final release date comes up so i think this is going to impact us fall and potentially even longer depending on um how long the strike drags on unfortunately the ones who are going to be really impacted by this again the theater owners where we've seen summer movies up until barbie um and oppenheimer had really had lukewarm reception as far as um the amount of money they brought in um Oppenheimer came along to really um, put a lot of life back in the theater um, with the, some significant um, draws from a financial perspective on those. But I think going into the fall, while I think a lot of these movies will be delayed, it's not a surprise. I unfortunately feel that um, as much as that's going to be an impact to audiences who are looking forward to seeing these movies, I think for those who rely on this for their well, their well, you know for their well-being, Suffering because obviously they're going to be stuck with without new releases. They're going to be stuck with potentially um, bringing back older movies. And I I know a lot of theaters will do this in the summertime during the day or something, anyways, where they bring back you know they'll show a a retro movie or or something that's you know familiar with um, with audiences. That's a draw, but I just don't think that's something that they can survive on long term. So I think that'll be a really big impact. Uh, to those folks even more so than just the audiences. You want to see these new films.
1: So Justin, what are your thoughts on that? No, I completely agree. And we kind of saw this with COVID, where, uh, obviously the pandemic impacted everybody very, very deeply. And one of the industries that got impacted, uh, severely was, uh, the film industry in particular, movie or movie theaters, like like you mentioned, um uh I honestly I'm, I'm surprised a lot of them were able to survive um just because of how little activity there was for so long and it's not something that can be patched up very quickly I mean the long the longer this goes on you know it starts to affect the timeline of all of the releases uh, afterwards because now you have to make room for uh you know these bigger movies that traditionally uh it's pretty important to show them at specific times. So for example, uh like Dune coming out in November, um, my guess is that uh there's a lot of thought that goes into that. I, I know that a lot of bigger movies, uh and later in the year they try to hit the uh November, December timeline or time frame that's that just because, you know, that's when people are off for the holidays, that's when they have time to go to go to the movies. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like a mini blockbuster season, uh, horror movies, for example, too, they, they always want to try to hit that October timeframe. And if they're not able to hit that October timeframe, then they're, they're kind of missing the, the, the vibe of, of Halloween. So, you know, when you're, now you're looking at, you know, February, March for a lot of these bigger movies. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a season where you don't really see a lot of activities, but it could, could impact how, the performance of some of these movies. Um, because people have less time to go see them. Um, and then, you know, if it goes long enough, it, it could Stop. impact uh, some of the movies that are that are later in the year. So, um, you know, th- this could go, you know, pretty deep, depending on how far or, or how long this lasts.
2: Well, and one of the things I want... and talk
0: with us through some of the tech issues we had today. I did uh, get a note that Nintendo is, as of now, considering a booth at uh, Space 1949 on the floor of PAX, but um, that is going to do it, folks, and until that uh, time, we will be talking to you very soon and back next week with our regular show. Until then, take care and be well.